Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. This is Rum Buncher Radio. Trey Yannity and Marty Lieb joining you tonight as the Pittsburgh Pirates are now a week into their season. Opening day is behind us. The home opener is now behind us as well. Series number three is underway. Today, the Pirates fell to the Cubs 4-2. to two. We'll talk about that game. We're going to recap these first three series here. Their trip to Cincinnati that didn't um, you know, go too hot as well as the opening series. The Pirates' first win of the season coming on opening day. But before we get into that, Marty, I want to start by talking about some tweets that our Rum Buncher account released this week. And really, it's bigger than these tweets. It's about what we've talked about a ton on this show. It's about what a lot of people are talking about. If you read, you know, articles from people in the area, people covering this team, really, if you, you know, go in depth on the coverage and the the strategy, the plan that's going in to this rebuild, you kind of hear a lot of the thoughts that we were echoing there on Twitter. I got two tweets I really want to read. I'll read the first one that started this thread here. Uh, it just says if the Pirates uh, were to have 70 million payroll, this team would still finish in the bottom five, you know, or last, you know, in the entire league. It's not about winning. It's about getting the right pieces in place right now. There's another tweet I really liked down in the thread a little bit. I thought it kind of summed up the idea. Well, you know, you can be mad at the owner. You can be mad at Major League Baseball. You can, um, you know, be mad at whoever, but don't belittle what this front office is trying to do, what these players are trying to accomplish. It's a young team, what they're trying to create here. This is what fans should want for this club moving forward. Marty, I want your thoughts here on how this rebuild is going so far, really. You know, all kinds of trades happening this offseason. We talked about it a good bit, where we think everything is at, graded it, everything else. But let's get in depth about, you know, what we're saying here, what fans need to know to feel a little bit more comfortable or just understand what this front office is trying to do. It's very strategic and it's been effective so far, but it seems like not a lot of people realize that. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, ultimately this team is rebuilding. There is no way around that ever since Ben Charrington got here in November of 2019, he made it very clear without ever actually saying the R word that they are rebuilding when he traded Starling Marte. That was the sign that that's where he was going. And that's the right move. I mean, you look at this major league roster, you know, other than Brian Reynolds to Brian Hayes, maybe Chad Cole, maybe Mitch Keller who finds himself in a couple pieces in that bullpen. Who on this major league roster do you truly believe is capable of being on a postseason team? That that's all you've got to say to yourself to understand why they're rebuilding, why they need to do it. And yes, like we said in the tweets, and I got to give credit to Nick for that because that was his thread that he was going off on with that. Um, they could have gone out and spent $25, $30 million in free agency this year and still been a bottom five team in the National League. You know, you could have gone out and added to the rotation. Like a, a guy who I know they had some talks with in free agency is Taiwan Walker. Let's say they would have paid 
nine, ten million dollars for Tywin Walker to be in this rotation this year. They still have the worst rotation in the National League, even if you put Tywin Walker in it, for example. You know, they're, they're this team has a lot of holes, and nothing they were going to do in the offseason was going to patch those holes for this season. They made additions in the offseason that a rebuilding team should make. You know, Tyler Anderson, who has pitched pretty well in his first two starts, who can, you know, pitch some innings for you, help young guys along, and then you flip him in July. Uh, Trevor Cahill, yes, he got shelled in his first start, but he's a guy who probably is going to consistently give you five or six solid innings, and then you flip him in July. That's where this team is at. And with the way Major League Baseball is structured, this is what they need to do in order to be competitive. I know we've talked about this a lot. You circle back to the early 2010s. You know, that 2010 team was brutal. It was horrible. It was one of the worst teams in the history of the Pirates. It was worse than this team. Don't let this start. Yeah, don't let this start make you think this team is worse than the 2010 team because it is not. That 2010 team had Andrew McCutcheon and 24 players who had no business being in the major leagues until Neil Walker and Jose Tabata and Pedro Alvarez came along that summer. This team does have some building blocks, like we said. But it is similar to that where it needed to be blown up and started over. That is what Ben Charrington is doing. The Pirates have a top three to four farm system in baseball now. They have Reynolds. They have Hayes. They have some good electric arms in that bullpen. In two to three years, this is going to be a very good baseball team. Fans just need to be patient and they need to understand this is part of a rebuild. And I I think a lot of it, honestly, with Pirate fans, it's almost like PTSD. You know, we went through the 20 years of losing. And we had 13, 14, 15, we made the postseason. 16 and 17, the team finished under 500, but it was pretty competitive. 2018, the team won 85 games or whatever it was, just barely missed the postseason. And now we're back into three straight years of losing. And I think people get worried that's going to become the norm. And yes, they're going to be bad this year. Probably going to be a sub 500 team next year, but you get into 2022 with what's coming. You can see there's a light at the end of this tunnel and people just need to be patient and wait it out. And my biggest thing I'll say to anybody right now, take this from someone who got to set his butt in a major league ballpark today for the first time in 19 months. It's just great to have baseball back. It's great to be able to be there. Just enjoy that. Yes, the Pirates are going to be bad this year, but just enjoy the fact that we have baseball. Enjoy the fact that we can go to the ballpark and enjoy the fact that we have a top-tier farm system that in two to three years is going to give the Pirates one of the upcoming rising teams in the National League ready to compete for the postseason again. I think people get so worried that rebuilding is just all for naught. You know, like you're saying, people – People want to, you know, point to the past or point to this example, that example where it hasn't worked and say that it can't work. You have to spend the money. You have to, you know, go crazy in free agency every year, whatever, whatever. You and I both know what Pittsburgh is, what kind of market this is, you know, what they're capable of doing, what they're able to do. At the end of the day, it's not, you know, a Yankees club. This team has to struggle to, you know, get anything in the world of Major League Baseball and spending money at the wrong times is what really buries this team and buries this organization. <laughs> able to make that rebuild. You look to certain examples. 
Chicago, the, the South Side, uh, right now. You know, they did it perfectly, and now they have a crop of prospects that is such a fun team to watch. You know, you look at what Texas is starting to do. They're starting to turn around Kansas City, some of these teams. Baltimore doing the same thing. Look at their outfield now. Look at their lineup. I mean, um, you know, it is possible. It takes some time. Yes, last season was was brutal, but it was 60 games. This season's going to be tough. Obviously, you know, the Pirates won their opening day game. Haven't won a game since then. It's been a week, so... You know, it's going to be a struggle at times this year, but overall, the the greater picture, the, the greater scheme of things, this is so necessary. It needs to happen. Down here where I'm at, I'm around a lot of Cubs fans. And, you know, Sorry. yeah, you know, it's brutal. It, it is what it is. It's not Reds fans. It's not Cardinals fans. Uh, That's but, you know, yeah, it could be a lot worse. Trust me. No, but uh, it's, it's a lot of Cubs fans. And, you know, we're watching these games. They're saying, well, look at our lineup. You know, we're going to be competitive, this, that, whatever. They're not. They're not going to win a World Series this year. They probably nope. won't make the playoffs this year. Nope. And they're going to be in a spot next season with a manager that is still figuring things out and a roster that can't compete and dudes that they can't pay and don't want to pay and their farm system's still going to be trash. It's it's not a winning formula to try to nope. make things work, you know, pack it, patch it together, whatever else, to, to put a major league ready team on the field. Pittsburgh's not major league ready right now at a lot of spots. You look around the field, there's guys that – you know, are, are majorly capable, but they're still young and they're still figuring it out. That's, you know, going to reflect the record this season, but we'll see how things go. You have to trust the process. We say it all the time on the show. You just have to trust the process, trust the rebuild, trust in Ben Sherrington. He's doing the right thing here. Uh, yeah, Pirates, and, and one, thing, one thing real quick too with Ben Sherrington, you know, looking at this from a Pirate fan perspective, like you should feel good because Ben Sherrington has done this before. He went to Boston when the Red Sox had no farm system in a bad major league team, won a World Series in 2013, and built a roster that went on to win the World Series again in 2017 or 2018, whichever year it was. I don't remember off the top of my head, but he built that roster. Steven Sanders, his right-hand man, was in Toronto with him when they took the Blue Jays from having a bottom two or three farm system to having a farm system that has gone on to produce Vlad Guerrero Jr., and Bo Bichette and Kevin Biggio, like the pirates have guys in charge of this, this front office who have done this. They have started from scratch and built it up. There are guys who know what they're doing. Their track record says they know what they're doing and their track record has resulted in world series titles. So that alone should give fans faith and should make fans excited about where this organization as a whole is going. If you can look past the just absolute shit show that 2021 is going to be and make no mistake about it. This is going to be a rough year. You're probably competing with Baltimore and Colorado for the worst record in baseball. If you can look past that, this organization as a whole is undoubtedly trending in the right direction. It is. It is. There's no doubt about it. And it's going to take time like we're talking about, but that's part of the fun part too. You know, this draft is going to be a whole lot of fun and we're going to, we're going to probably get into some pretty heated debates on this show talking about Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker and you know how we feel about that. This is going to be a fun process, but it will take some time and they will get you there. The right guys are in place now. This is not Neil Huntington era pirates, which, you know, had their success and were great, but they weren't, they weren't headed in the right direction. This front office is. They started the season with a win in Chicago on opening day. Really a fun ball game. I mean, a, you know, a disciplined ball game. They had two errors in the field, but overall, I, I really liked how everybody looked. Chad Cool came out, had a, a solid start. I think he ended up walking maybe four or five in that one, struck out around the same. Had good stuff, though, throughout the day, but, you know, really that bullpen 
comes in and and we start to see some of these arms we, we see david bednar on friday you know we see clay holmes come out and look really solid chris stratton have a solid inning um you know rich rod come in and, and close the door after a little bit of struggles there early on in that inning really love what we got all the way around opening day um you know, i want to start with the bullpen here just absolutely devastating stuff from david bednar you saw the one pitch just trending on you know twitter everything else um, really great effort um, and, you know, solid stuff as the season's continued here. But let's start with the opening day. Yeah, I think opening day was a – and I wrote a little bit about this on site last week. It was a sign of things that could potentially come from the bullpen. Um, the bullpen took some lumps against the Reds. But when you get outscored 30-8 to eight in a three-game series, it's one of those series where they're going to happen to every team a couple times a year. You just kind of throw it out the window. Yeah, red-hot team, too. I mean, that's Yeah, yeah, and the Reds are off – offensively, I think they're off to their best start maybe in franchise history. They're talking about the broadcast, I don't know what they're doing. Um, but you look what they did on opening day, the rest of that series, and today against the Cubs, you you can kind of just throw that red series out the window for the bullpen. I still think this bullpen could be pretty good. Um, I think it could be the lone bright spot this year. Um, David Bednar, I'm, I was excited about him to begin with, and I think today – you know, we tweet Twitter blew up, blew up about this today. Did the dude, I mean, he's from Mars PA, which for those of you who are listening, who might not be from the Pittsburgh area, Mars is out towards Pittsburgh airport. So he's a Pittsburgh boy and anyone who knows Pittsburgh and anyone who knows us, Yenzers, renegade has a, a, a special spot in our heart is Colin Dunlap of the fan morning show will say children in Western Pennsylvania are conceived to renegade by sticks. And Bednar comes out of the bullpen, his first ever game at PNC Park, and Renegade starts playing over the PA system. I can attest to you from being there, that was probably the loudest that ballpark was all day. So David Bednar has already won over the fans of his hometown team, and that has nothing to do with how good of a pitcher he is. But I think this bullpen can be good. Bednar's got electric stuff. Rich Rod has looked really good to start the year, I think. Off the top of my head, I believe he's pitched two and a third innings and struck out five or six already. Um, Clay Holmes had a bad outing against the Reds, but looked really good in the opening series, looked really good again today. Um, Sam Howard has gave up, threw an option to go for ball to Anthony Rizzo today, but he's been racking up the strikeouts so far outside of that one pitch. Uh, I really like what we've seen from Dwayne Underwood Jr. I think he can be a good reliever for this team. Luis Oviedo is quickly becoming a uh, – to steal a term from Steve Blass before he retired as an announcer, Luis Oviedo is quickly becoming a person of interest because I know the Pirates have long-term plans for him as a starter. And kids who are 21 years old and have never pitched above high A should not look as confident and comfortable against major league hitters as he does. And he just doesn't look phased. And he's going to be a lot of fun to watch this year. So I, I do think this bullpen is, still has the potential to be pretty good. And we just got to watch it because I, I do – I don't think the Pirates are going to take very many leads into the fifth or sixth inning with the starting rotation. But when they do, I think they're going to win more times than not because I do think this bullpen can be good. And I think a good bullpen – It's I think we talked about this a little bit in the last show. could be kind of the perfect storm for the Pirates because I think you have some veteran guys down there with a Rich Rod, with a Chris Stratton who with good performances could probably net you something nice in July. But at the same time, you have a lot of young arms down there that Nar, Luis Oviedo, you know, potentially Clay Holmes was still under team control for a long time. Dwayne Underwood Jr. is still under team control through 2025. 
you have a good mix of guys who can be good trade chips in July and guys who could be building blocks for a very just strong shutdown bullpen in two years or so when you're ready to compete again. So I, I think the bullpen is going to be the highlight for this team this year, other than probably, you know, the key Brian Hayes when he's back and Brian Reynolds. But as a position group, I think this bullpen is going to be the highlight, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch because there are some guys down there with some absolute nasty stuff. There are, and I mean, we heard about it. You know, we heard about the progression and, and how Oscar Marine has helped them come along. But we, you know, I don't think we really expected to see the stuff immediately opening day. I mean, especially from a guy like Luis Oviedo. Like you're talking about, the kid's 21 years old, and you know, maybe has some of the nastiest stuff in that whole bullpen. So the future is really bright, and some and some trade chips there too. We'll see how they kind of manage it. It's been interesting so far, though. It's been a little bit more consistent this season. Um, you know, I, I don't think we got to rip. Uh, Derek Shelton to shreds quite as hard here after the first week as we did last season. Um, but, you know, I, I wonder if we see, and I use this word lightly here, Marty, because people like to, you know, make it polarizing and, and go in any direction with it. But do we see them kind of, you know, maybe set some lineups or work this bullpen and put guys in certain opportunities to not give themselves a disadvantage in any of these games, um, but, you know, maybe help them not, come out on top or give a guy an opportunity he might not see regularly? Um, I mean, they. I, I don't care what anybody from the Pirates says. They did that last year with this bullpen with Miguel Del Pozo specifically. So yeah, not, not the pile on, not the pile on the guy. Cause I feel bad cause he gets piled on so bad. And like, ultimately the dude pitched in the major leagues. He has accomplished much more with his athletic life oh. than most people will. But there's not a doubt in my mind the way Shelton managed the bullpen at times last year. Someone above him was pulling the strings to make sure they got the number one overall pick in the draft. Um, yeah. But now this year, I think it'll be different. I do think you might see guys get thrown in a role, like take Luis Oviedo against the Reds on Monday night, for example, comes in in the fourth or fifth inning, whatever it was with the game tied. Yeah. And I don't think that's necessarily trying to set a guy up to, uh, you know, not succeed. As much as it is, let's see what we got in these kids. You know, let's throw them out there in the fire and see what they do. And let's see who sinks, who swims. And that's how we determine who's part of this bullpen moving forward. So I think we'll see a lot of that, you know, with a lot of these young arms, especially some of these guys who, you know, you take like a Michael Feliz or like a Clay Holmes, who is still kind of a young arm based on innings pitched, but it's been around for a while. And you got to figure out what the hell you have in these guys at this point. So I do think we'll see a lot of that. Um, Kyle Crick's another guy. I'll be curious to see how these him throughout the year. He's looked really good so far. Uh, it looks like the Kyle Crick of 2018 and early 2019. It was just a shutdown guy for the Pirates, which would be great because, you know, if you're, proje again, projecting ahead to 2022 and 2023 when you should have a team ready to compete, if you can get a bullpen with, you know, Kyle Crick, David Benar, uh, Luis Oviedo, who does not move to the rotation, you know, looking down the roads a little bit, Nick Mears, your Rollins and Contreras's, you know, you could have that bullpen that shut down. I mean, anymore, the way baseball is trending, a lot of teams ever since the Royals in 14 and 15 with the back-to-back -back World Series appearances by leaning on the bullpen, that's kind of become the new trend in baseball is have that just shut down filthy bullpen and we saw that with the Pirates when they had their postseason runs. That's kind of the thing right now. So if you can, you can have that, that's a big advantage. And I think this year is all about determining, 
with the bullpen, the guys who are down there now, who is and who is not part of the bullpen when this team's ready to compete again in a year or two. Yeah, no, that's the thing. I mean, you can call it tanking. You say whatever else. But I don't think that this season, at least, we're ever going to see them do anything that would you know, just not be logical. I think we're going to see them do some things like you're saying to give guys opportunities because, you know, you're kind of playing with house money this season. You're not going to probably come in anything other than fifth in the central, but you have the opportunity to test things out and, you know, figure out what you got, see what, see what you want to rock with here when the pirates are going to be competing. Um, But, you know, as we kind of talk about these first three series at a whole, what's your biggest takeaway from, from this lineup? It loses to Brian Hayes you know, game two. So already a big switch up early on in this season, but let's talk about some high points, some low points from these first three um, as a whole. And guys, we're going to be back on Sunday as well with an episode. We'll get a little bit more in depth, preview a little bit more, um, you know, talk about maybe like Luis Soviedo becoming a starter, stuff like that. Detail Cabrian a little bit more. Um, But as we're kind of recapping these first three, what do you like the best uh, that, that the Pirates have been doing? Um, with the lineup so far to me, there's really three things that stick out. Um, you got to start with him because he's been the team's best hitter by far so far. And like you said, last episode, I'm the one who first conducted the Philip Evans hype train last year. Um, I mean, man, Philip Evans is he's, he's picked up where we left off. Forget hurt last year. Uh, after I have his numbers up in front of me today, he was 0 for three today with a walk, which him not getting a hits like I heard of these days. And he's still, you know, hitting 368 is on bases 429 is slugging 737. And what's really encouraging to me with Philip Evans thus far this year compared to last year, last year, a big part of the success was a 419 batting average on balls in play. League average is roughly 300. This year's batting average on balls in play is only 330, which is a positive sign. Because if you're doing this with a 330 batting average on balls in play as opposed to 419, it's much more sustainable. And a big reason why is he's hitting the ball a lot harder. Um, last year, not to call it luck, but it kind of was with that batting average and balls in play. And his hard hit rate was only 34.4%. Well, this year his hard hit rate's up to 57.1%. Last year, his exit velocity was only 85.5 miles per hour there per hour, excuse me. This year, it's 92.6. He is crushing the ball. It's early, but he's in the 77th percentile in all of baseball in average exit velocity. He's in the 78th percentile in barrel rate. You know, he is crushing the baseball. And it's like, you know, if he keeps doing this, when Cabrian Hayes is back, he's got to be in that lineup. You know, however you get him in there, you got to get him in there. And, you know, you look at first base – First base probably not going to be an option because Colin Moran is another guy who hit well last year and is picking up where he left off. He had a double today. You know, he's hitting 280 so far. He's on bases 380. He's slugging 600. Colin Moran is looking. We we talked preseason about Moran being a real interesting guy who, if he hits well, do you maybe look at him as a potential extension candidate because you don't have a whole lot of first base behind him? Moran's hit the ball well, too. You know, Evans and Moran have been your two best hitters. And, you know, Evans, you look to the outfield, well, it's not going to be left field because the Brian Reynolds of old is back, which is great to see. I think that's that's one of the biggest things you wanted out of this season was 2019 Brian Reynolds to show up. And so far, the Pirates have gotten 2019 Brian Reynolds. He's hitting the ball at all fields. He's much more patient. He's hitting with more power. 
And that's that's great to see because Reynolds is one of these guys you look at as a building block. So sides too. I mean, we saw him with the righty bomb the other yeah, day. Just today, he just hosed the guy at second base. Like he, he's playing good defense too. So excuse me. I, I my biggest takeaway from this line so far is Reynolds bouncing back to 2019 form. Colin Moran through a week, building off of his breakout season last year to prove maybe that wasn't a fluke. Maybe Colin Moran. I mean, people forget Moran was the sixth overall pick in the draft. The guy's got talent. He might be finally putting it together. And then Evans, you know, uh, the other night watching the game, I forget which pirate announcer it was who said this, so I apologize for forgetting, but they made the comparison of Philip Evans to Justin Turner. Not so much their swing or anything like that, but Turner, a lot of people forget as a guy who he bounced around with the Orioles, bounced around with the Mets, and then with the Dodgers, finally got an opportunity to play every day and took it and ran. Maybe that's what we're seeing with Evans. You know, he's with the Mets, he was with the Cubs, never got that opportunity. He's gone with the Pirates the last two years, and he's took off and hit. So we'll see. Like I said, when Hayes is back, he needs to be in that lineup. Maybe it's right field if Gregory Polanco struggles. But today, Polanco, look, he might be busting it out. He had a double, had a hit, drew a walk, you know, hit a ball that was probably about five feet away from going into the bullpen for a home run. So we'll see what happens. The Pirates might have a little bit of a good problem on their hands there at the lineup. But I my big takeaway so far are Evans picking up where he left off. Colin Moran looking like last year may not have been a fluke, may have truly been a breakout season. And knock on wood, I'm repping a jersey today. You see the 10 down here somewhere? Where's it at? Somewhere on here is over here. There it is. Repping the Reynolds jersey today at the ballpark. Still haven't taken off since I've been home. It looks like 2019 Brian Reynolds is back. And honestly, had you told me coming into the season that they were going to get 2019 Brian Reynolds back, I would have been ecstatic because you don't expect a whole lot else to go right this year. But if you can get that back and have him as a building block, that's huge. And so far they have. So even though the lineup has struggled, there definitely have been positives. And they have, you know, you look at some of these box scores and you're like, wow, you know, they scored zero today to the next day, whatever else. But there's been some high points and there's been innings where, you know, they're really putting the pieces together and you're like, wow, they have something. And, you know, there is something to be said about Brian Hayes being subtracted from this lineup. It really, you know, it takes a big, um, you know, leap for this lineup to have to, to cover that third spot whatever else and down um, it, it takes a lot of length out of the lineup without him it really does it does because you know if you, if you look at this lineup let's say cabrian hayes is in there and let's just say for argument's sake you stick evans in right field you know you have hayes hitting two reynolds three moran four evans five that's a pretty solid two through five and frazier adam frazier and the frazier had a good day they had a couple hits through a walk off to a bit of a slow start, but you know what you're going to get on Frazier. Exactly. He's a played off guy because he's probably going to get on base at a 340 to 350 clip and set that table. So you're looking at a pretty decent one through five then. So I do think they definitely miss Hayes, not just because he's your best player, but it, it takes a lot of length out of the lineup as well. Oh, it does. And, you know, in that case, too, let's say you start Evans in right field, you're not even playing Gregory Polanco, and then you can stick Kevin Newman somewhere down there. You have so much more versatility with him. Yeah. And even if you look at the bench, like look at today, you know, let's go to the eighth inning, for example. Let's say Evans is starting in right field. And I understand people are frustrated with Gregory Polanco. I get that. But eighth inning, bases loaded, two outs. You have to go to pinch hitter. No one on this planet is going to tell you they would rather have Wilmer Defoe pinch hitting there than Gregory Polanco. You know, 
It just again it extends things because when Wilmer after Dustin Fowler struck out, I had zero confidence Wilmer Defoe was going to get it right in there. But if Gregory Plonk goes to the plate, yes, Greg has his shortcomings, but his guy's always drawing a ton of walks and his guy's always hit for a bunch of power. So he's liable to draw a walk to bring a run in or run into one and catch a gap, hit over the wall, whatever it is. So again, it just extends the lineup when you get Hayes back and makes this a lineup that it's not necessarily going to be good, but I don't think it's a lineup that's going to struggle to score more than two runs a game like we've seen the last couple of days. Yeah, it's not going to give you the barf effect. I mean, it's not – you look at it, and it's – it's you know, we, we follow these players a lot more closely than we do a lot of these lineups, obviously. Um, but, you know, you really look at it on paper, and it's not as as shocking, as, you know, as terrible as, as you mm-hmm. think. Really, you know, especially and I think you see it, too. You look at a lot of these guys' results early this season. You know, I think the Pirates are like third or fourth in the league and walks drawn. They're not doing terrible. With getting, they're just not getting that clutch hit right now. That's what, like, look at today. Jake Arrieta did not, this might have been the worst I've ever seen Jake Arrieta look. And he went six and gave up two or whatever it was. Because I think it was the second inning. He loaded the bases, got out of it. He had another inning, put two or three guys on, got out of it. The eighth inning, the Pirates had the bases loaded with one out, and the Cubs wriggled out of it. Like they're getting opportunities to score and not cashing in, so they're getting hits. They're getting on base. They just need to start finishing off innings. And as long as you keep getting guys on base, it's it's statistics. Eventually, you're gonna get hits. The runs are going to come. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. And they don't need the, you know, they don't need the long ball. That's the thing. I don't need to be hitting home runs right now, whatever. They're not, but you know, they just have to have that clutch hit to make up, uh, you know, on the offensive end. And it'll come. It'll come with you know more reps and getting this lineup some consistency and really figuring out where you want to put everybody. And you know, maybe if Philip Evans is your right fielder, making that adjustment sooner than later. We'll see what we have on that side of things. We're gonna save Dustin Fowler and Anthony Alford for Sunday. Let's talk Mitch Keller. You know, there is every headline whatever surrounding him coming into this season about how he had to you know really make it make a statement take a huge step in the right direction there's a lot of season left mitch keller is gonna have a lot of starts with the pirates here this season but after start number one you know you don't feel any more comfortable you maybe feel worse he you know the the command was just out of control uh you know his stuff looked fine it looked okay uh, but you know even the pirates put out an article that day you go onto the MLB app, first article, first headline, poor start leads to Pirates, you know, one run loss, whatever. There's a glaring error, a ground ball between Philip Evans' legs that led in that fourth run, not even mentioned there in the first two paragraphs, because it was about the start. Mitch Keller did not look good on Sunday. Do we see this change, or is this the Mitch Keller we're going to get all year? I I mean, people who read the pod, watch our videos, read the site, and you don't read podcasts, listen to podcasts, I'm sorry. Yeah, you want to read it, we'll read it, but... If people listen to the pod, read the site, watch your videos, you know my feelings on Keller. Um, I don't have a lot of faith in the guy right now. It's just his stuff looks so flat. It looked flat against Cubs last weekend. He just he can't spot. They just I don't know if it's a confidence thing because the guy had never been hit before. They got to the majors. Um, in the minors, he was just he was renowned for his control, and he has no control of his fastball. He cannot spot his fastball for strikes at all. And that's what hurt him against the Cubs on Sunday. Um, I don't know. Yes, that Evans error was big. But ultimately, you know, when you're 
in the first inning of that game and you're throwing 35 pitches and walking two or three guys or whatever it is, you're sinking yourself to start. You can't blame your defense at that point. Um, Saturday is going to be a big start for Keller. It's huge. He needs to bounce back. He's got to get going. Like we said, if he struggles this year, he's going to get passed up. Miguel Yahoo Rock, Cody Bolton, Will Crow. You know, you have your Quinn Priesters, Brennan Malone, Stanage Thomas is coming. Whoever it is, you know, what if Luis Oviedo goes with the rotation? If JT Brubaker keeps pitching well, he's going to get passed up. So we'll see. Um, I'll be there again Saturday night. I'll be watching it in person. I'll probably be pulling my hair out. My wife will probably tell me to calm down when I'm yelling at him. But it's it's he's got to figure it out. He he has the stuff. Um, I feel like we've never seen the stuff in the majors, but clearly it's there because of how highly rated he was. It's just, I don't know if it's confidence. I don't know. I've seen people say this. Maybe he needs A.J. Burnett to just follow him around and kick him in the ass every now and again because that seemed to work with Jeff Locke back in the day. Whatever it is, the kid needs to figure it out because if he doesn't figure it out soon, he's not going to be part of the Pirates' long-term plans. He won't be. And, you know, it's sad because there's so much potential there. And, you know, one thing, really a name that, that circulates every time we have this conversation, Tyler Glass now. How do you avoid – uh, we don't want that. I mean, I don't I don't know if you saw it, Trey, but like an hour ago, I'm going to cry thinking about this. We were talking about Glass now in the Rum Bunner Slack channel because Dave was mentioning some of his um, his pitching charts so far from this year and the fact that the dude has an absolute elite slider at this point it's- and the velocity mix between his fastball and curveball is made as curveball as lethal as ever. So we don't – we do not want that. But I will say the big difference when glass now was here, I could see the stuff. And that's what frustrated me so much was you could see the stuff with glass. Now you could see he had this ability to be a top of the rotation arm. I have not seen that from Mitch Keller. I haven't. The fastball has no run. The, the, the breaking stuff is flat. I, I just, I, again, I don't know if it's lack of confidence. I don't know what it is. You know, he's on his second pitching coach with the Pirates, so you can't even blame that because the pitching philosophy between the old regime and Ray Searage and this new regime and Oscar Marine are just night and day and near has worked for him. So I just, he might prove to be a guy. And, you know, there's been countless guys like this over the years, countless guys like this with the Pirates. You know, your Chris Benson's, John Van Ben, Scott and Brian Bullington, whoever it is who have all the talent in the world, never put it together as a starting pitcher. And just Keller might be that guy. And we're going to find out the rest of the season, starting with Saturday night when he goes up against the Cubs again. But we'll see. Like, I, it's just, it can't be said enough. This is no matter where his career goes from here, this is going to prove to be the most important season of his major league career because what he does the rest of this way is going to dictate how the rest of his career goes it will his entire situation whether it's in pittsburgh or not this season is the make or break for mitch keller we're gonna you know continue to to talk about him we're gonna recap this weekend series with the cubs uh mitch keller's second start marty uh you know wish you well there in attendance again on saturday um i will be there i'll be there ready to ready to potentially watch pirates lose their seventh in a row we'll we'll see how it is i mean you know Take everything with a grain of salt. Please, you know, yell at Mitch Keller. Try to get his attention. There's only going to be like 8,000, whatever, 6,000 people there. You'll probably be able to to get your 
voice down wherever you're sitting from. So, uh, you know. And now one, one thing with, with the Kello thing I'll say too, I was happy to see today when they, cause it's opening day and anyone who's ever been to opening day, they do the same thing for their first game of any playoff series. They announce the entire roster, not just the starting lineup. Everybody comes on the field. And with Keller, one thing I was very happy to see, because if it is a confidence issue, this isn't going to make it worse. He was treated with a round of applause from the ballpark. You know, I'm not going to name names. I mean, everybody, yeah. you know, Pirates culture can turn on people fast. So yeah. It's good to hear I, that, you know. I'm not going to name names, but a certain outfielder who I personally still think has the tools to be a great baseball player was not greeted with a round of applause from everybody in the ballpark. But um, yeah, it, it was good to see it for Keller because if he is a kid struggling with the confidence, getting booed by your home fans is not going to help. And he was met with a round of applause when the roster was announced. So hopefully Saturday night, if he does struggle, fans will follow. And if I get that frustrated, I won't yell. I won't boo. I'll just stare at the ground and throw my scorecard down in disgust and then go from there. Yeah, no. <laughs> and with Gregory, too, I mean, as long as they weren't booing, it doesn't have to be tears every time. Now, the gentleman behind me was booing Polanco pretty bad. And he came up to the plate the third time, and that's when he fouled the ball off his foot and looked like he may potentially be injured. And he made some sort of comment about taking him out of the game because – for extreme precaution or whatever, just he was being a smart ass. And I got to give the lady in front of me credit. She turned around without missing a beat and snapped at him, especially because Polanco had already had two hits today, yeah, including a double. I mean, yeah. So it was, it was, that's the kind of stuff I personally really miss from the ballpark is watching the different fans argue with each other because it's always, you know, we could have an entire episode of me telling stories oh, yeah. of people I've interacted with in the ballpark over the years. And maybe next offseason when we have, we're trying to fill space, we'll do that. Because I, I, I will tease, I have a great story involving three very tall, very intimidating women a drunk 18-year-old and Barry Bonds. It is just oh, <laughs> And one of these days, I will tell that story yeah, on here. But those are the kinds of things I miss from the ballpark as much as anything. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's like everything. The smells, just being there, getting to see the team. It's it's so different, you know, when you're watching your team on TV. It's still the same experience. You know, you're, you're watching the game. You're getting to pull for your team. But... But being there, you really get a, you know, you get to be a part of it and you get a, you get to feel it. Um, you know, it's so great to see. It's just great to have baseball back. Like you said at the top of the episode, a year ago right now, you know, we didn't know what was about to happen. We didn't even know, you know, if they'd have a season at all. So to have a, a full regular season underway, things going well, not, you know, every, Washington Nationals have had some struggles, but overall, everybody's done pretty well COVID wise. Yeah. I mean, you know? I know we said this on the, uh, opening day special episode, but it's like look back at spring training and it went better than we anticipated. You know, no team ever had to shut down. I think there's only like five total positive cases throughout spring training. And now a big part of that, excuse me, a big part of that is that thankfully at this point, a lot of people are getting vaccinated and that sort of thing. So you don't have to worry about it as much, but it's just good to have baseball back to not have to worry as much. Just like I said, this was, you know, not to go off on this tangent too much, but this, this was, I think, from the time PNC Park opened until today, this is the longest I'd ever gone about being at PNC Park. And, you know, now that I'm going to, you know, I go with my kids, I go with my dad. It's just, it's so much fun. Like, we all missed it. And it was just, like, we got down there. We're walking around the Riverwalk. We're down on the North Shore. We're going to Soho's to eat. 
And it's like, you know, we just miss just being down there and seeing the crowd and the atmosphere. And just, it was just great. Like I would have gone down there today, even if I wasn't a season ticket holder and didn't have tickets to the game, just to be in that atmosphere. It was just so great to have that back. And, you know, Greg Brown was doing the pregame ceremony stuff. And like he said, this is, we're not all the way there yet, obviously. We're getting there, but it's just, it felt normal. And it was just good to feel normal again and to feel normal at the ballpark. It's tough to top that, you know. Even in a non-pandemic world, there's no better way to spend a day than down at the ballpark. But let alone with everything we've gone through in the last year to be able to just kind of reconvene the ballpark, see familiar faces, be back there cheering on the Pirates, even though they lost. Just it was just it was awesome to be back. That's unbeatable. I mean, it's really, you know, if nothing else this year, everything that's happened has made you uh, appreciate the game, appreciate just getting to be, you know, fans of this team and getting to pull for this team, whether they're winning, you know, one game in their first week or not. Uh, you know, it's great to have it back. It's awesome to see it. Good luck this weekend uh, at the game. Marty pulling through here. We're going to recap that series. We're going to talk about these upcoming series and, you know, really dive into some more of these storylines. Anthony Alford, Dustin Fowler competing for this spot. So I, I like what we've seen from, from both. You know, there's been some flaws with both as well. So we'll get into that. Um, you know, discuss some more. We're going to have Cannon Smith and Jigba on at some point here in the coming weeks. Uh, you know, came in that Jameson Tyone trade. Going to hear his thoughts on that and everything else going on. But until next time, my name is Trey Entity. Thanks, Marty, for coming on as always. Guys, you can find us at, at omni.com slash rumbunter. Hit us up on social media at rumbunter. Go to rumbunter.com as well. There's so many articles out right now. It's opening week still. So, you know, we got stuff previewing the series to come here. Really recapping opening day, opening week talking about these starters and, and what's to come, the bullpen, everywhere else. Somebody's writing about it, I promise. Until next time, everybody, have a great weekend. Let's go back. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.